Welcome to episode 23 of the Preaching Donkey Podcast. I hope you are well today. I am your humble host, Lane Sebring, and we have an exciting show for you today. I have Greg Atkinson, one of the biggest voices in church leadership today, especially in the area of first impressions. We're going to talk more about him in just a second, and then we have a great interview with him. want to just say thank you to you if you're watching here on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe like this video, all those kind of things. If you're listening over on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any of those places, so awesome to have you joining today. I do want to mention that we are in the middle of launching our advanced coaching community here at Preaching Donkey. This is the founder's launch. It's been an exciting week. There's been so many pastors jumping into this. You can get more information at preachingdonkey.com slash advanced, where you can learn about how to jump in. It's only open through tomorrow. So this is Thursday. By Friday night at midnight, it closes down and it won't be open for several months. So you're going to want to jump in right now. Uh, you can find out everything at preachingdonkey.com slash advanced. But if you're looking for ongoing practical training, personalized coaching, and a community of like-minded pastors around you who understand where you are and what you're facing day to day in the trenches, then jump in to the advanced coaching community. I've partnered up with my good friend Brandon Kelly over at Rookie Preacher, and we are together leading this, and it's going to be awesome. So only a couple more days to jump in today and tomorrow, preachingdonkey.com slash advanced. All right, so let's talk about Greg Atkinson. He's done a lot of things. He's written a lot of books, and he's got a whole lot to offer in this interview. The biggest and most exciting thing coming up is the First Impressions Conference. There's one coming up in May. We're going to talk all about it in this interview, and you can register at firstimpressionsconference.com, and I definitely want you to go do that. He's got an incredible lineup of pastors and church leaders that are going to be pouring into you in that conference, it's going to be really great. If you can't make the one in May, there's also one in the fall, uh, but definitely register for that firstimpressionsconference.com. In this interview, we talk about communication. We talk about capturing the imagination when you're speaking. We talk about first impressions and how important first impressions are to the overall experience, even of your sermon. That if people don't have a good first impression experience when they pull into the parking lot, get out of their car, walk into the church, check their kids in, then that will bleed into how well they're able to listen to and take something away from your sermon. So we talk about first impressions, and we talk a little bit about virtual church. How do you have this kind of setup where some people are live and some people are watching online? How do you make sure that you include everybody? We talk about all that. Greg's got a lot to offer in those areas and more. So without any further delay, let's go to the interview with Greg Atkinson. Greg Atkinson, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's great to have you. Man, I'm honored. Thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. Well, I, I've talked a little bit about what you've done and what you've got going on. And I, I know that for those listening, a lot of people will, will already know you. But for those who don't, can you talk a little bit about your, your history and ministry, kind of how you got into ministry and what has led you to, to this point and what you're doing with working with churches and church leaders? Yeah, well, I was fortunate to grow up in a Christian home with a large uh, Christian tradition. And um, I knew as a young boy that I was going to go into ministry. I actually did a report in the fifth grade. Uh, they had us do a, a project on what do you want to be when you grow up. 
and uh, people did like, you know, run Disney World or President of the United States and all this stuff. And I said I wanted to be a minister, a pastor. And uh, my fifth grade teacher never forgot it. She said she had never seen a kid that was so confident and uh, sure of what they wanted to be, that it wasn't a fantasy or a dream that they actually knew what they wanted to be. And when I was 21 and I got ordained, my fifth grade teacher was there in the audience because uh, she still remembered it. And so she was a guest at my ordination. But wow. um, I started in ministry. Uh, I was the high school intern at my church. My senior pastor and worship pastor at my, at my church in high school both invested in me my senior year in 93 and uh, 92, 93 really invested in me, took me under their wing, took me with them to visit six shut-ins, nursing home, um, hospital, you name it. They took me with them. And then in February of 1994, I started on staff at my first church as a freshman in college. And so this past February, I just celebrated 27 years in ministry. So coming up on three decades, uh, it's flown by. I still feel young. I'm only 45, but I started when I was 18. And so um, it's been quite the journey. Uh, served in a number of roles, for, uh, starting out uh, studying uh, music and getting a music and worship degree. Uh, being a worship leader, worship pastor, then I wanted to move behind uh, scenes, behind the scenes, not be the guy up front leading music. And so I was a technical director, producer, and then um, got to a point where I wanted to oversee everything, run a campus, run a, run a church, oversee a staff, but not preach every week, and uh, became a campus pastor at two different multi-sites for six years and oversaw everything. I preached on occasion, but it wasn't, not, it was not my primary uh, responsibility. I was more of a chief of staff and overseeing all the ministries and uh, staff. But, um, and then for the last five years, I've been consulting full-time. I started consulting in 2005, so 16 years ago, but um, went full-time in, um, I guess it was 2015. Um, so coming up on six years, uh, full-time consulting with churches around the world. Wow. That's, that's awesome. And, and I know you're, you're, I've seen, I've seen your work, your books, and I'm so excited to dig into some of the things that you've worked with churches on. Let's start with communication because a lot of people, um, might associate you with first impressions, worship impressions, and we'll get into that, but you have a passion for communication and effective, effective communication. So when you're looking at a pastor and you're trying to assess uh, effectiveness, what are the things that you're looking for? What have, you, what have you seen that work? And what would you say for those who are listening who want to either be more compelling and effective and creative in their communication or struggle with that, how would, how would, you, how would you advise them? Yeah, yeah. It's a great subject I love talking about. Before I was known for first impressions, I was known for technology and media used to speak at every technology, tech, media conference and wrote for every tech and media magazine. And then I actually started the company Worship House Media and ran a company with media resources for church leaders. But um, I, uh, I used to teach at the Moody Bible Pastors Conference for pastors, 1800 pastors from around the world. Uh, eight different years I was in Chicago teaching at Moody on creative communication and some of the things that I would talk about was uh, illustrations, uh, using 
uh, technology, using media, using sermon illustrations, using video clips, things like that. This was back in the early 2000s. I think I started at Moody in 2003, speaking at their pastor's conference and then spoke for eight years. And so um, using things that make the sermon memorable, you know, what I've found over the years in uh, 27 years of ministry, I can only count on one hand the number of sermons I actually remember uh, after sitting week after week after week as a staff member listening to my lead pastor preach. There are a handful, and I mean one hand, five uh, sermons that I can remember and that uh, stick out to me. And so I think clear is better than clever. And I think, um, I, think I, I, I really resonate with the Andy Stanley approach of just one point, one big idea, uh, like Dave Ferguson wrote about years ago, just having one big idea, one point, and emphasizing it over and over and over. But when I taught at Moody, uh, one of the things that I would teach on that was really, uh, uh, really hit home and resonated well with the attendees was when I touched on the subject of imagination. Hmm. Um, God has given us our imaginations as a gift and for an intentional purpose. Um, it is a, a beautiful, beautiful gift. I years ago read the book Scribbling in the Sand by Michael Card who's known as a musician, but he's also a theologian and a pastor and a writer. And um, he has some amazing thoughts that he put down about imagination. And so I just really studied that and reflected on it and meditated on it and thought about it. And then I would introduce it in my teaching and I would introduce it in my uh, uh, workshops and classes. But, you know, for a pastor, it's one thing to use media, to use an illustration, to show a picture, to, to tell people, you know, look up at the screen. I want to show you what it looks like in Israel. I want to show you what this wall looked like. Or, you know, it's one thing to do that. It's another thing to tell people, hey, close your eyes. I want you to picture Moses parting the Red Sea. I want you to picture the waters receding and, and, and building up a wall on each side, on his left and his right, and Moses stepping out his feet on, on dry ground uh, with uh, you know seashells and starfish and all the stuff that he would step down in to walk through. I want you to picture um, sharks and whales and giant fish swimming by on his left and his right and him seeing this wall of water, and to, to have them use their imagination and think about that. And then in the class, I would show a picture, a cartoon picture of Moses parting the Red Sea, and I would say, is this what you saw in your mind? And they say, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> what we saw in our mind was much more vivid, much more vivid. Uh, it, was, it was a beautiful, beautiful thought. And so tapping into the power of the imagination, I taught um, – the staff, the creative staff at Saddleback Church on uh, communication. And then uh, they passed my name on to Prestonwood. And I taught uh, the creative staff at Prestonwood. And then they wanted me to teach their teaching team with Dr. Jack Graham and all their teaching pastors to teach them on creative communication. And so it's something I'm very passionate about. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to touch on the power of imagination, because Jack Graham is heard on radio stations around the world. So you can't and on a radio spot, you can't use video clips. You can't use something on the screen. 
to say, hey, look up here and look at this when you're listening via radio and it's audio only. So I put in extra stuff on the power of imagination and, um, and, and encouraging people to really tap into that resource that God has given us. But um, I forget what your original question was. You'll have to keep me on track, but uh, I could talk about communication all day. I'm very passionate about it. Well, I, I, I want to dig into the imagination because I'm, I'm fascinated by this because given that example that you, that you said where sometimes people will throw a map on, on the screen and say, here's the journey that Paul took. Uh, right. For me, as a, as a listener, when that happens, uh, my eyes just glaze over. I mean, it's just, right. I, I just, I get so bored with it. I don't care about the map. So I, I struggle with that kind of thing because sometimes you want to give the details in the, in the journey, but what you're saying is so much more compelling with the usage of imagination and really appealing to that, like you said, with the Red Sea example. So if somebody's listening and like a lot of pastors who might say, okay, I'm great with studying the text developing an outline. I'm good with, you know, a one point sermon, a bottom line, drilling that down. But when it comes to imagination, what do you say to the person who says, oh, I'm just not that creative. I don't have that, that uh, creative of an imagination. So how do I do that when I feel like I'm lacking? What are one or two ways yeah. that I can really tap into that? Yeah, I love it. It's, it's the number one tip I can give pastors. Practice it before you preach it. You got to live this first. So in your own quiet time, in your own reflection, I have said for years that the majority of pastors I know go to the Bible, go to scripture for ammo as opposed to getting to know the heart of God. Mm. Um, they, go, they go to the Bible looking at work, looking at sermon illustrations, looking at developing a devotional for the staff meeting, looking at prepping their, their Sunday sermon. And I want us to get back to reading the Bible just to know God, just to know God and to develop our spiritual journey and our spiritual walk with Christ. And so reading the Bible personally first and then later and separately reading it as study and reading it as research and reading it as preparation for a sermon, but to practice something before you preach it. And by that, I mean, uh, I, I wrote in one of my books about the power of meditation and uh, David used to meditate, you know, bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name, Psalm 103. I think, I think to, um, to, um, to, to practice the, well, the practice, the presence is a great book, but to, to practice the, uh, the discipline I, I have a morning routine. I start every morning with worship. I sit, drink coffee. I put YouTube on my Roku television. I watch worship videos. And then I started med meditating on scripture. My mentor, I have a mentor, Tom, here in Charlotte, who's uh, older than me and takes me under his wing and prays for me and encourages me. And he introduced me to a woman named Heather Hare, like hair on your head, H-A-I-R, Heather Hare, who is on Spotify, but she also has a YouTube channel. So I pull up YouTube on my uh, Roku television and she reads scripture with this beautiful female voice and she composes music underneath, a score underneath that moves the scripture and brings it to life. And so I am just washing my brain in scripture so I will sit there drinking coffee, 
listening, she she has uh, scriptures for healing, scriptures for marriage. She has uh, Psalm 90. She has uh, affirmations. Uh, I'm a beloved child of God and things like that that you listen to to just wash over your brain. And then she actually reads books of the Bible. She'll read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, the Gospel of John. She'll read uh, Galatians. She'll read 1 Peter. But she'll start reading scripture with a musical underscore and I just sit there and listen. You know, it's one thing to read with our eyes. It's another thing to hear it with our ears. And it's another thing even differently to proclaim it with our mouth. I talked about once, and I'd heard this from Beth Moore, walking around the house reading scripture out loud. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not his benefits. Just reading it out loud um, as, as a practice. But Practice meditating, and by that, I mean tapping in to your own power of your imagination. When you think of the woman at the well, what do you think of? When you think of the woman caught in adultery, what do you think of? Do you think of a woman filled with guilt and shame, naked, thrown down at the feet of Jesus, looking at a mob, a crowd around her, with stones in their hands, shouting and yelling and screaming, an angry mob with stones ready to kill her and what she must have thought um, laying at the feet of Jesus and watching him scribble in the sand, the title of Michael Carr's book, watching Jesus scribble in the sand. What did he write? We don't know, but they it got their attention and she saw it and the people around with the stones in their hands saw it. But Jesus was an amazing communicator. Jesus taught with parables. Jesus would share stories. That's why I love reading the message uh, version of the Bible, to hear something in a new and fresh way, the way that Eugene Peterson visualized and interpreted the scripture. Uh, and I know it's not a word-for-word translation. I don't mean that. But to just hear something in a new and fresh way or the Passion Translation just to hear something in a, or a living Bible translation, just to read something in a new way, but to practice every morning in your time of private worship. And pastors, I'm not talking about studying for your sermon. I'm talking about private worship, devotional time, meditating on scripture and tapping into the power of your own imagination. When you think of the woman at the well, when you think of the, woman caught in adultery, when you think of uh, Peter at Pentecost preaching and 3,000 coming to Christ, what do you see in your mind's eye? Um, I'm working on my fifth book, a brand new book, and at the end of the book, I have a, ch- a chapter where I talk about visualization, seeing something before it happens, uh, the power of visualization, and um, you know, pictures before they throw a, a strike, they visualize throwing a strike. They see themselves throwing a strike. A professional bowler will visualize himself throwing a strike before he ever lets the ball go, tapping into the power of imagination and visualizing what you want to communicate. But you've got to do it first personally before you take your audience and your congregation on a journey and lead them through a visualization exercise or an imagination exercise. That's really good. I, I think there's so much there. And the challenge is for, like you said, to not approach 
your study of scripture as a way to seek out ammo, but to really experience the presence of God. I think that's a great, it's a great challenge. And I think also separating sermon prep from your personal devotion and time with God. Absolutely. It's crucial. Well, so I know you've done a lot with churches, especially probably lately, given the last year that we've had with everybody having to be digital, uh, with digital communication, speaking and preaching to the camera. Uh, I know you've taught on this at, at a very high level. So what are some of the things that you would say to the, the pastor who is maybe struggling with how to make all these pieces fit together, how to preach well to a camera or to an empty room? Uh, what, how would you advise and what would you, what would you say based on what you've seen? You know, what's cool is I think one of the best communicators alive, one of the best Bible teachers alive, who I still catch on Sunday morning sometimes when I can, and I know my mom watches him every Sunday morning, but uh, he was doing it long before COVID, and that is Dr. Charles Stanley, Andy Stanley's dad, who's the GOAT, you know, who's a legend in his 80s. Um, and um, one of the things that he would do, and I shared this with a pastor, I was consulting with a church of about 9,000 in uh, Pittsburgh, and the pastor uh, said something, and I said, try this. This is a Charles Stanley technique. Charles Stanley would say, listen to me, listen to me. And so in this digital world where people are distracted, they're looking at their phone, they're talking to their family, they're, yes, they're gathered around a television and they're watching online during COVID or during this pandemic or during not feeling well or not able to go to church or, or uh, whatever reason, they're watching on YouTube, they're watching on Roku, they're watching on Facebook Live but they are distracted. We live in a distracted world and a distracted culture and people are glancing down at their phone and surfing Instagram and to get snapped out of that all of a sudden by listen to me, look at me, look at me. And Charles Stanley will say that over and over and over. He'll be in the middle of preaching a sentence and he'll say, look at me, look at me. And I've seen Andy uh, imitated a couple times. Andy, Andy will say that occasionally but Charles Stanley was been saying it for decades and decades and decades, but he will just grab their attention back and say, okay, look, look at me, look at me. I want to tell you something very important and grab their attention back. But we have people, I talk about this digital world, physical and digital from here on out pastors, you will always have an online audience going forward after 2020 going forward after COVID even when we gather back in person, I just got vaccinated today. More and more millions of people are getting vaccinated. Uh, the COVID is decreasing. I just read a Wall Street Journal article written by a doctor at Johns Hopkins that said COVID has decreased 77% in the last six, six weeks. So COVID is decreasing. People are getting vaccinated. We're approaching herd immunity eventually later in 2021. Things are getting better. It's a glorious day. We'll be able to gather back together in person. I haven't been to my church in a year, but I'm going this weekend. And um, it'll be a year since I walked in the building. And I'm excited to go back into fellowship and to see people. I'll still wear my mask. I still will uh, fist bump instead of hug. But uh, the thing is, uh, even when we gather back together, and I hope that you have an amazing Easter this year. I hope that you're able to gather with some of your people uh, at Easter uh, in April and that we just keep progressing as a nation, as a country in the summer and the fall and things get better and better and better and attendance comes back. That's my prayer for you. 
but still do not forget about the people at home. Craig Groeschel at Life Church has been doing this for years. He stares down that camera um, for years, way before COVID. He knew he had a bigger online audience than he had an in-person, in in-the-room audience. And that's the way it is for so many churches. You may have 100, 200, 500 people in the room, but you may have 5,000 watching online. So don't forget the camera. And so pastors, when you're excited to gather back together with your congregation, some of you are meeting online right now. Some of you are meeting outdoors, outside. Some of you are meeting in cars and drive-ins. Uh, but some of you are starting to meet back in person. When you gather together, say, hey, guys, it is so good to see you all this morning. And for those of you watching online, we are so glad you tuned in. Never forget the, the at-home audience. Always uh, keep an eye towards the camera from time to time and keep them engaged. And so um, there's, a, um, there's a podcast on Karen Newhouse podcast uh, by, I think it was J.P. Uh, Paducah, uh, if I'm saying his name right, that talked about preaching in a YouTube generation. Uh, he talked about uh, preaching digitally. And, and so there's some great great meat and info there that you can hear from JP that dives way deeper into it. But uh, using the imagination, acknowledging, I always talk about the movie Avatar when they said, I see you, I see you. Acknowledging that they're seen and that you recognize people are watching from home uh, via technology. And then, uh, and then grabbing their attention occasionally from time to time, weaving in a Charles Stanley technique. Hey, look at me, look at me, listen, listen. And grabbing their attention back. So, because we are in a distracted culture and it's only getting worse the younger people get. My kids that are in college and high school uh, are very distracted and are, are looking down at their phone. And so we've got to snap them out of that and get their attention back. And uh, 80 something year old Charles Stanley is the master of it. And so I would learn from him. He's been at it a long time. That's good. That's really good. I, I, there's so much about that that I really like. It, one is just the simplicity, like you said, of simply just by saying, listen to me, snaps people back. I used to see Matt Chandler do that a lot where he'd say, yep. look right at me, look right at me. Yep, and I would, I would pay it. attention. Yep. And then anything he said after that, I, was, I would hear it. And I think that's really important. Yep. You know, we talk at my church uh, because, you know, like a lot of multi-site churches, when when you're looking at the camera, and this is what we tell our communicators, when you're looking at the camera, you are making eye contact with everybody watching at the other campuses, but you're also making eye contact with everybody watching online. But yep. then also most people in the room are not looking at you. They're looking at the screens. So yep. by looking at the Absolutely. camera, it's, it's the way to make the most and best contact with everybody. Great point. So, Absolutely agree. Yeah. Even um, when I'm in the room, I'm watching the screens. Absolutely. That's right. It's, it's easier. Your eyes kind of drawn to it because it's just, it's bigger. Uh, so yeah, that, that's huge. And, you know, I'm actually working with my daughter. I have a six-year-old daughter who wants to review toys on YouTube. <laughs> and so we're working right. on, I got her a little camera and I've been trying to teach her to look at the camera and imagine that it's the people watching. And, you know, I tell preachers the same thing. When, when if you're going to look at the camera, you have to imagine that beyond that lens, is is people and our our souls and stories that matter and i think that's that's a huge part of what we do so th that's really really encouraging and i think that's going to be very helpful to a, to a lot of people just to have that reminder 
that uh, you're right. It, it, the digital audience is here to stay. It's been here, but it just was more, it was just kicked into our consciousness at a higher level this year. Um, a lot of what you do, and especially with a lot of churches moving back into in-person services, some, some already have, some are in the process of doing that. Some have a hybridized situation, but like you said, where, where things are going, where you're, you're going to see more churches reopening and at a full capacity. Uh, I know a lot of the work that you do, uh, is around first impressions and, uh, and, and that's actually your Facebook group was where I think I found, I, that's where I first heard of you was this massive Facebook group, lots of really great conversations. I'll link to all that and more in the, in the, in the show notes and in the description here on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, but can you talk about, uh, when, when you consult with churches and, uh, and are working on first impressions and you're working with pastors, what are the things that are just non-negotiables. They've got to have these things in place if they want to have uh, really effective first impressions. I think you want to have a game plan and obviously to, uh, to uh, work the plan, you're going to have to have a team. You're going to have to have volunteers. One of the things I love about the first impressions ministry or guest services is that it can't be done by one person. It is designed in such a way that you can't greet people in the parking lot and hold open the door and, and usher them and seat them in their seat. It, it is designed in such a way that it has to build a team. And I have my entire 27 years of ministry been about building teams and equipping the saints, Ephesians 4. And so um, I want to see a parking team and a greeters team and an usher's team and section host and people at the welcome center and the next steps uh, desk. I, I want to see. I want to see people uh, being involved, serving in this ministry, and so uh, intentionality is really big. That you uh, are are gearing things toward the guest. Um, most church websites are built, and which is the front door is our first impression. People check you out online before they come in person. But most church websites are designed to a guest uh, for a guest to experience and get their questions answered. And it's the same way. The best church churches that I've worked with, the best churches that I've been the most impressed with in my consulting of over 200 churches the last 15 years are those that gear everything towards the guests, those that are expecting guests. I've said in, in, in another uh, keynote talk, um, great churches plan for and expect guests. They plan for and expect guests. And so... Um, Healthy churches are going to have systems and protocols and practices in place, a game plan in place to um, to welcome people starting from the street to the seat. And so starting when they first drive in the parking lot, what they're going to experience in the parking lot is their first time guest parking. Do they know where to go? Is there somebody holding the front door open with them? Right now during COVID, we don't want people touching doorknobs or door handles. We want to open every door for everybody. But um, you know, I have, I have said recently on another podcast now in the time of COVID is still, which is still very much around in 2021. Uh, this is the time for the guest services and hospitality teams to shine. This is their moment. This is their time to smile with their eyes, even with a mask on. Yep. This is their time to make people feel welcome and at ease and at home and safe that they're going to be protected 
This is their time to step up and sanitize and disinfect and clean and wipe down surfaces. This is their time to hold open doors. This is time for ushers to actually usher, actually seat people in seats that are spread out. Maybe you rope off every other pew. Maybe you rope off your, your seats. Maybe you dismiss people row by row by row. Some of the best churches I've heard of are dismissing people one row at a time. So it's not uh, crazy chaos when people go to leave and they give instructions like, if you would like to socialize, please go outside to the courtyard. Don't socialize in the building. And so this is the time for people to step up in leadership capacity and to actually seat people and, and, and let people feel comfortable and safe. If I come to your church and I am surrounded by a bunch of strangers that are sitting too close to me, I'm probably not going to come back. I'm going to go back online and watch online. And so this is your time for people to show up. A lot of churches are doing tickets and reservations because of limited seating capacity. And so you're going to need ushers to collect tickets and, um, and to help seat people. And so this is your time, First Impressions Ministry, for you to shine. That's good. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge, huge point that more than ever, people are looking at First Impressions workers to get their cues about what they can expect when they go inside. Right. So, it, it, so if the parking lot worker has pulled their mask down because they don't, they don't want to have it on or they've just taken it off altogether and no one stepped in to ensure that that's happening, that's a first impression that is going to make a, a difference in yep. a huge way. So yeah, that's 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 really really good. I I think um, I think that a lot of churches have a a feel or a lot of pastors. I work a lot with pastors that their their focus that they, they can be singularly focused on what they have direct control over. Right. So they want the worship service to be amazing. They want the sermon to be amazing. But when it comes to first impressions, it's kind of just this afterthought. So right. could you speak to how vital and important it is to the sermon and its effectiveness, all of these things that happen before and after? the? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be on a preaching preachers podcast and get to address this. That is so close to my heart. Pastor, you need to know, and I know you work hard. I know you put in the hours. I have taught on communication. I have preached. I have prepared sermons. I get it. I understand some of you work. 10, 20, 30, 40 hours on your message. I get that. But hear me, they decide in the first seven minutes whether or not they're coming back long before you've ever stood up to preach. Uh, and a matter of fact, a lot of cutting edge churches like Crossroads Church in Cincinnati and Brian Tome, they put the message first. The message is the very first thing before the music. Uh, they're mixing it up and they're, they're exploding. They're one of the fastest growing, largest churches in the country. But uh, that's just food for thought to mess with your mind. So you sit there and think about it uh, for the next couple of weeks. But um, most guests in the first seven minutes, what they encounter as Mark Waltz, my friend uh, who speaks at our First Impressions conference, he wrote the book, First Impressions. Um, uh, in the first 10 minutes from the parking lot to checking in their kids at children's ministry, check in. When those 10 minutes pass, they need to know that they matter to us before they hear they matter to God. Now, in your sermon, you're going to let them know they matter to God, 
but they need to see the gospel lived out. We need to be the gospel incarnate. They need to see that they matter to us and, and live the gospel with actions, not just words, not just preaching and proclamation, proclamation, but actually living it out as the hands and feet, the body of Christ. And so um, in that first seven to 10 minutes of a church guest experience, when they drive onto the parking lot and they come and sit down in their seat in the auditorium, they have already made up their mind whether or not they're going to return. And so this is not a throwaway ministry. You want your best and brightest people to serve in guest services and first impressions. You want your A team to serve in first impressions because they are going to help your attendees stick around. It's all about guest retention. My passion is turning first time guests into second time guests. We know that we have been given a great commission, go and make disciples. Our call is to, is to discipleship, to evangelize and to disciple people. Most people don't make a decision for Christ on the first visit to a church because as I've said before, guests are fearful, anxious, and skeptical in their minds. They're thinking about a lot of things. And so um, they may be tuning out the message. They may be looking at the wall color. They may be wondering if their kid is safe. They've got a lot going on in their mind. But if we can turn a first-time guest into a second-time guest, Nelson Searcy in his book Fusion says they are 80% more likely to return and eventually make a decision for Christ. And for me, it's all about first-time guests becoming second-time guests, becoming third-time guests, getting plugged into the local congregation so that we can come alongside them and walk alongside them in their spiritual journey and disciple them. Our mission at the First Impressions Conference and my ministry and my company is discipleship. We want to disciple people, but we can't do that if they don't return. Pastor, I hope you hear my heart. If, you're, if your guests do not return, you can't disciple them. You'll never see them again. So, of course, we want them to have a good first experience. Of course, we want them to have a good impression. Of course, we want them to like what they uh, see and hear and experience when they visit our church on a weekend. And so if you pastor a church of 25 or 50 or 100 or 200 or 500, and you want to see that grow so that you reach your community, you've got to have guest retention. You've got to have guests uh, come back. And so that's where we talk about closing the back door. A lot of churches don't have problem, problems getting guests. They have problems getting guests to stay. And so we, at the First Impressions Conference and in my ministry with Secret Shopping and Consulting, we try to help you close the back door um, so that you can disciple people. Well, I, I, I love so much about that, that that's so encouraging. When you said that they need to know that we care about them before they hear that God cares about them, or they, they need to know that they matter to us before they hear that they matter to God. I think that's, that's so uh, huge, and, and it's, it's something that's solvable that just sets up the pastor to succeed with their right. message instead of having starting with a deficit. When I hear people talk about a church they go to, uh, just a neighbor of mine just across the street not not too long ago was saying that they visited a church and their impressions all surrounded how they felt about the experience. Yeah. We were welcome. There were so many people. They were so friendly. Never once mentioned the sermon. Didn't nope. even come it's up. It's all about how they feel. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, that, that's huge. So for those who are interested in learning more, there, there's something that you need to register for. And that is the First Impressions Conference, which is coming up in the spring. Can you talk about that? I know it's a huge conference coming up. And can you talk about why pastors need to be there? Yeah. Uh, so our main audience for the First Impressions Conference are pastors, lead pastors. They are the number one demographic that attends our First Impressions Conference. Uh, there's a lot of churches that do not have dedicated staff to guest services or First Impressions. And so the pastor kind of does and oversees everything. So they're our biggest attendee when it comes to our conference. This year, we're doing our fifth and sixth conference, a spring conference and a fall conference. Our spring conference features lead pastors like Rich Veladas at New Life in New, in New York City, who took over after Pete Scazzaro. Uh, we have Cal Eidelman from Southeast Christian, uh, amazing author and writer as well. We have Chad Veach from Zoe LA. We have Wayne Francis from New York City. We have Matt Fry from C3 in Raleigh, North Carolina, who's on the board of ARC. Uh, we have amazing lead pastors we're going to hear from. We're also going to hear from guest services directors at amazing churches like Saddleback and Life Church and Eastside and Sandals Church. And so we're going to hear from guest services directors on best practices of creating a welcoming environment. Our theme this spring is welcome. We want to welcome people back to church. And then in the fall, we already have our whole fall conference lined up um, and it's going to be awesome. It's a free event. Uh, all conference is going to feature lead pastors like Craig Rochelle and Matt Chandler and Dave Ferguson and some amazing uh, leaders that we'll hear from in the fall. And then I mentioned those that we'll hear from this spring, uh, like Rich Villados and Kyle Eidemann and Chad Veach and Matt Fry and Wayne Francis. And so uh, pastors, this conference is for you. This is a conference for lead pastors. Uh, the most the majority of our audience are lead pastors that want to learn how to grow their church, how to how to really tackle guest retention and closing the back door, getting guests to come back. And so uh, go to firstimpressionsconference.com. You'll get an overview of, of our conference and our ministry. You'll get free resources, a free first impressions bundle that you can sign up for. And then you can find out more about each conference. But uh, we're very excited about it. Um, it's, it's, it's a resource to help church leaders close the back door and grow their church. That's awesome. Well, so people can, can go to firstimpressionsconference.com to register for that. Also, Worship Impressions. Can you talk about what you do through yeah. that site and that consultancy? Yeah, Worship Impressions is my secret shopper company. Um, like I said, I've worked with over 200 churches in the last 15 years. And uh, you can read through endorsements there. I just booked a secret shopper yesterday. I'll be going to Ohio uh, before Easter uh, to uh, help the church out. And um, then I have two churches in California coming up later in the year, um, both both in the LA area uh, that I'll be working with. Very uh, like giga churches, very large churches that I'm excited to work with. But um, uh, worshipimpressions.com. You can read about me. You can read about our process. You can read the endorsements and you can read what we do, but, um, we are, um, we are excited to work with churches all over the nation, um, in, uh, guest experience and, uh, evaluating their weekend experience. So I come in like a secret shopper, just like I do for banks and restaurants and hotels. 
I come in as a secret shopper and I evaluate everything from the street to the seat. And then I also include in the 100 page report, uh, the online presence evaluation where I evaluate your social media and website and give you a full online presence evaluation. But it's very detailed, very thorough. Like I said, it's 100 pages. And so I come visit your church over a weekend, I fly back home, I put together a report, and then we go over it just like this via Zoom and um, go over it with your senior leadership team and talk about next steps and areas of improvement. And I love it. The churches love it. The endorsements are just raving. Uh, they, they love the experience and love. Um, I just did a online, people don't realize I do online secret shoppers. If you can't afford to fly me there and you just want me to evaluate your online presence, social media and website, that's way, way, way cheaper. I just did one for a church in Minneapolis and they emailed me the next day and said, we have had so many aha moments as a, as a staff. Um, we have been just going over and talking about your report. I had met with them via Zoom and gone over the report and the person who had contacted me to, to hire me. And I'm actually, they, now they're bringing me out. So I'm going to be going to Minneapolis in person to, to do a secret shopper. But we did the online presence first. And they said, we just keep having all these aha moments that came from the report. And so my goal is to help churches close the back door and retain guests. Wow. That's, ex that's exciting. There's so many resources that you have available. We're going to link all of it in the show notes and in the description here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, go to the firstimpressionsconference.com. That, that is the, the first step. Get registered for that event. Worship Impressions. Check that out if you want the secret shopping. Greg, GregAtkinson.com as well. And we'll link all the socials below as well as your books. So honored to have you on today. I, there's so much more that we could obviously get into uh, but we're going to cut it off there. I think there's a lot for, for people to chew on and uh, really, really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, thanks so much. Man, I'm honored. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Thank you to Greg for coming on the show today. Remember, go to firstimpressionsconference.com. You can also check out Worship Impressions as well as gregadkinson.com. Definitely check out everything he's got to offer. There's so many things that you can take away from not only this interview, but from him as you follow him on social and go to uh, what he has to offer. That's our show. We've got another one coming up next week that's going to be really exciting. Remember, jump into the advanced coaching community, preachingdonkey.com slash advanced. Go check it out. I'll see you next week here on the Preaching Donkey Podcast. <laughs>